Hello, and welcome back to another episode of I'm Free, Now What? With me, Michelle Fortier, a licensed clinical social worker in the state of Florida, having a love affair with DBT. Because guess what? This is another DBT video. And in this one, we're going to be talking about emotions. And I'm going to be reviewing good old Marsha and her handout right here, emotion regulation, handout number three, what emotions do for you. So a lot of times for a lot of people, emotions are just a scary thing. They don't like feeling them, they don't like experiencing them, and a lot of times they try to suppress them. All of which are not a very good idea because emotions do stuff for us. That's why they exist, that's why they're here. They are something that helps us survive and be able to make uh, effective decisions for our lives. So this handout right here, it breaks down what emotions do for us in three different ways. So the first thing that emotions do, it allows us to be able to organize our behavior. And what does that mean? That sounds like, you know, very complicated. What that means is that our emotions, when we're feeling strong emotions, allow us to act quickly when we need to act quickly. And what that means is that if we are encountering something like somebody breaking into our house and that elicits a sense of fear in us, that sense of fear, that emotional response will allow us to have the ability to think quickly to get out of the situation. If we didn't have that emotion of fear, we would sit there and, you know, kind of ponder, should I go? Should I not go? What should I do? And so with this sense of fear, we're able to react quickly to a situation. It's the same thing if we are a parent and we see our child drowning in a swimming pool. It's that sense of fear that allows us to react quickly, jump in and save our child. If we had to sit there and ponder and think and reflect and we didn't have that emotional push, we wouldn't get these things done and the child would drown. And also that big push of that emotion. So all emotions are basically uh, chemical responses in our bodies. It's neurons firing, it's neurotransmitters being released into synapses, um, it's the, um, the hormones being secreted by all the different glands and influencing this part and influencing that part. And in particular, fear dumps adrenaline into our system. And that adrenaline allows us to, um, it, it takes the blood away from non vital places and it puts it in vital places so that way we can protect ourselves, our breathing changes, our pupils dilate so that way we can see the situation because when you're in a fight flight response, we don't really need to see fine details. We need to be able to see a wide open um, space so that way we can quickly decide what direction to run in. We also then can quickly decide what needs to be done with a big picture. Uh, that emotional response also shuts down that high thinking part of our brain so that way we're not sitting there in the details. We're there with the big picture and making good uh, snap decisions on what needs to be done. So that fear response allows us to react quickly because of 
all the physiological changes that happen when our fears kick in and that adrenaline gets dumped into our system. It's the same thing with a lot of the, our other hormonal responses. Like when we dump oxytocin in our brain, that allows us to feel connections to other people. And those connections, they allow us to be close and to develop emotional intimacy. So our emotions organize us to act in a certain way. And with that, these things can allow us, especially with adrenaline, it allows us to save time when we need to make quick decisions. And then also strong emotions can help us to overcome obstacles that are in our environment. So that's like those people that like, they have that um, sense of fear or danger and they're able to lift cars and crazy stuff like that. So those strong emotions can allow us to overcome things and do things that we might not be able to do if we don't have that response in our body. The next thing that our emotions do, we, uh, it allows us to influence other people and to communicate quickly to other people. So a lot of our facial expressions that are linked to emotions are universal. And what that means is that regardless of where you are on the planet, tears and a, and a sad face and having your shoulders sloop, stooped over means sadness regardless of where you are on the planet. Having a scowl on your face and scrunching up your nose and clenching your jaw and your hands, that means anger pretty much everywhere on this planet. So these are um, bodily responses that communicate quickly to other people. And that allows us to get messages across much more quickly and effectively than using words. Because if I just say, I'm very angry today, nobody's gonna really listen to that. It doesn't do much. But if I go, I'm very angry today, and my tone of voice and my facial expressions and my body language say I'm very angry today, I'm communicating quickly, effectively, and strongly. And so people are able to get that information a whole lot faster than me just saying it. And when it is very important to communicate a message to somebody, like one of the examples that they give that I absolutely love is, you're on the beach, you're down by the shore, and you see a tsunami coming in. And you're like, oh shit, there's a tsunami coming in. If you go back up to the shore and you say to everybody, hey guys, there's a tsunami coming, and you just say it in this relaxed kind of way, do you really think anybody is going to listen? I highly doubt it because they'll be like, yeah, there's no emotional urgency. It can't be that serious. But if you run up to the beach and you say, everybody, there's a tsunami coming, I pretty much guarantee you that most people, if they have you know any intelligence, they're gonna stand up, look and go, oh shit, they are right, I gotta get out of here. And so that emotional energy allows us to communicate to other people so that way they can act. Now, this can have a downside. And let me tell you this downside. So sometimes people in our lives, they'd wanna ignore what we're saying or they wanna downplay what we're saying. So what happens is if we ask for something simple, like, hey, do you think you could wash the dishes? And you just say it like, hey, do you think you could wash the dishes? You might be ignored. 
right? Some people are just not respectful. You have to motivate them by yelling and screaming, which sucks and is not healthy. So if you've learned asking, hey, can you wash the dishes, does not get you the dishes washed, but you go, nobody around this house ever washes the dishes. This is ridiculous. And you've learned that that gets you what you want. You have now been reinforced by your environment to get your needs met by acting like a fool, which is not a very effective way because it burns you out. And it makes the people that don't know your situation make you look like a lunatic. I know for me, it was like this a lot when I worked in the prison system. If I simply said, hey, this, my ceiling is leaking in my office, everybody, because my ceiling would leak in my office, forget about it, it was ridiculous. And if I just said that, they'd be like, oh, that's not serious, that's not serious. But if I go storming down the hallway, slamming doors and going, this is ridiculous, my ceiling is leaking again, this needs to be fixed, I can't believe that anybody thinks this is acceptable. Then they'd be like, oh, we gotta shut up, Michelle. And basically, I would only, I would very rarely get my needs met in the prison system, and I was an employee, by acting like a normal human being that had my emotions in check. And I would see this a lot with people that were incarcerated, is if they just said, hey, you know, y'all forgot this on my tray, people go, oh, yeah, okay, I'll get that back with you. But if they said, hey, you forgot this on my tray, and somebody said, you know, I'll get back with you, and never got back, then they'd start kicking the door. Then they'd start yelling. Then they start carrying on. And then at that point, security would then get them what they wanted or what was forgotten off their tray. So this over-the-top behavior can be reinforced because we learn, especially in that system, that the only way to get our needs met is to act like a stupid ass fool. And you know, then we bring that stuff back into our home life and all this other stuff and it becomes even a bigger mess. And people have to tell us, settle down, you don't need to do all that out here. It's craziness how our environment reinforces our out of control emotional responses and actually helps us not regulate our emotions but actually makes them a whole lot worse. Number three, what our emotions do for us. It allows us to be able to communicate with ourselves. That, I think, is probably one of the most important parts of our emotions. And this is what a lot of people don't want to do. They don't want to pay attention to their emotional responses. Especially if you have a history of trauma, and especially if you have a history of people saying like your emotions don't mean anything, you know, your emotions are invalid, I don't know why you're feeling like that, I don't know why you're acting like that, this is ridiculous. You learn to cut off your emotions, which means that you learn to cut off one of the most important places that you can get information about how to react in situations. So for example, one of the things that uh, we see a lot are people that have been victimized and, um, and sexually abused, they sometimes go back and they tend to be re-victimized. And how much is that of them cutting off their emotions and their physical sensations from their body because of their abuse, that they then don't pick up the signals that their body's trying to communicate to them when they meet somebody else that is an abuser. So that information is then cut off and it makes it much harder for them to pick up vibes and 
uh, small little cues and clues that the new abuser is giving out to them. What it also doesn't allow us to do if we don't pay attention is to stop before it starts. So a lot of times people that I see have anger issues. And so by the time that they notice those strong sensations of anger, it's much harder to get themselves calmed back down. The more in touch you are with your emotions, the faster you can pick up those emotions. And the faster that you can pick up those emotions, and when they're small, the easier it's going to be for you to regulate those emotions before they get too big. And one of the things that uh, we know is that for each emotion, the emotions, anger, um, sadness, fear, um, love, jealousy, shame, envy. There are things, events that occur that push us to feel those emotions. And sometimes we're not even aware of those events that are pushing us to feel this way. So if we're able to identify the emotion, we can then identify in our environment what's going wrong that has us feeling this way. And then there's also our thoughts and our interpretations about events are linked to emotions. And so if we're able to sit there and say, I feel this emotion, what could be my interpretation? Then we can be able to change that interpretation or pay attention to that interpretation. And that gives us information. Also, our emotions are all linked to certain physiological things that go on in our body. So if we feel our if we notice that our, our hands are clenching and our heart's beating faster and our jaw's getting tight, those are all sensations of anger. And if we're in touch with our bodies and we can start paying attention to that stuff, we can stop that whole anger response from happening. If we have anxiety, if we have fear, then we're able to start noticing, okay, I feel my heart beating a little bit faster. I'm feeling like my breath is speeding up. I'm feeling, um, you know, my hands are starting to get sweaty. Um, you know, all these different sensations. Then you're able to recognize much earlier when you're starting to have panic and able to start putting in your coping skills to reduce that anxiety response. It's all about figuring out what your emotions are trying to tell you. And one of the important things, so there's like a, a cognitive distortion or there's an issue where because we feel a certain way, therefore it must be true. And so in DBT, we learn that while all our emotions are valid, they all give us information, sometimes our emotions don't always fit the facts. So what that means is that especially if we have panic disorder or we have panic attacks, our body is telling us danger, 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 and our emotions are telling us danger, 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 but there is no danger, danger, danger. And so we need to establish that although we are feeling this feeling, when we look at our environment, when we look at what's going on, our emotions might not always fit the facts. So that whole thing, I feel this way, therefore it must be true, we know that that's not true. And so our emotions also give us the ability to be able to look at our situation and then 
figure out what is a fact and what is not. And if it's not a fact, or if our emotions don't fit the facts, there's a technique to start uh, letting that emotion go and working through that emotion um, so that way you can have a more appropriate emotion that will fit the facts. So those are the three things that our emotions do, um, what they are meant for, and I hope this video is helpful in explaining to you why you should not suppress your emotions. If you like this, please go ahead and hit like. Any comments, questions, please leave them in the section below. I try to get back to them as quickly as possible. If you found this helpful and you think other people might too, please just go ahead and share this information. The more people that we can get emotionally healthy, the better this world will be. I wish you good mental health and continue to stay free. Take care.